If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, this is Buck Sexton, and you're listening to the Tudor Dixon Podcast, part of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Podcast Network. Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. I'm Tudor Dixon, and it is great to have you tuning in. Today, we are going to discuss a really tough subject with a dad who has been through the unimaginable pain of losing a child at the home of a neighbor whose father failed to secure his guns. Kristen and Mike Song lost their 15-year-old son, Ethan, in 2018, and today they're working on legislation they believe will save young lives. Together, both he and his wife created the Ethan Miller Song Foundation to honor Ethan's life and pursue safe storage legislation to protect other children from a similar tragedy. This may be a conversation that many of my listeners have strong and differing opinions about, but we think it's very important to have the dialogue. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. And let me start by saying I am so sorry for your loss. We talked a little bit about this before we started recording. As a mom, I I really, I can't imagine what you're going through. And I think it's so important for us to talk about this because many of the people who are listening have never been through this. And it is something that we all have to be aware of as parents. So thank you for, for agreeing to come on. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for those those kind words. And it is a devastating experience. And uh, as every parent could, you know, try to, you know, imagine one day your your child does not come home from a friend's house and it's uh, life is forever changed. But I appreciate being here and a chance to talk about this really important topic. It's something that right now I think so many people are on one side or the other on so many of these issues. And I think you're probably one of those people that's like, hey, I'm just on the side of a dad who wants to exactly what you said, see my child come home. If you can tell us a little bit about Ethan and just your experience and what led you to based on your story, because I don't think a lot of people know your stories. If you can just explain what happened and what led you to come out and be a fighter, because we also talked about that. I mean, you, you could have made another choice to not talk about it, but you're out there every day. 
Yeah, it, you know, we uh, we had a it's really great. Yeah, Ethan was a fantastic kid. I, we went. We, I'm a sports person. I'm, I, I uh, went fishing with him, hiking, biking, camping. We were really an outdoors type family, so we spent a lot of time together as as a family of five. Uh, and we essentially tried to instill in him a lot of uh, common sense about safety. And so we, uh, a lot of folks say, well, you should have just talked to him about gun safety. I talked to my son quite a bit about it. Uh, I'm a musician and I was a big fan of the band Chicago. So I, I distinctly remember on four or five occasions telling all three of my kids, hey, listen, here's the story of a, how the guitar player in Chicago died. He was cleaning his gun. He was a gun expert. and He made a mistake. you know. So you always have to check if there's a bullet in the chamber, stuff like that. And all my friends who own guns, uh, you know, I've always been 100% in favor of them having the right to do that. One day, Ethan uh, had to get his braces off and it was a half day at school. So uh, he said, look, I, I'd love to just kind of stay at home and hang out a little bit and get my braces off. And then, you know, going back to school doesn't make a lot of sense because there'll only be a half hour left. So my wife took him out to uh, a lunch and he was talking about his life. He wanted to join the uh, military, wanted to have a big family, wanted to go to Rice University in Texas. Uh, and, you know, he said, look, I just want to go over to my friend's house and spend, you know, an hour there. Can I go over there after lunch? And uh, so he got his braces off. And it's kind of sad because he got his braces off. My wife sent me a photo. And that's the last photo I've, that was taken of him. Hmm. And so uh, he goes over his friend's house. And there, unfortunately, you know, and this is not, I think, uh, indicative of most gun owners. There was a unsecured guns in the front hall closet. The father had made it pretty obvious where the guns were in the house. And the child had been producing them and showing them to a variety of kids both physically in the house and through social media for oh. months, for months. So there was a Did lot of people. Did you have any idea? No, we would have been really quick to say, let's let's have your friend come over here, but you're not going to go over there. Uh, and uh, it was a total shock because this was a person who was uh, a private detective, certainly should have known about gun safety, you know, lifelong NRA member. I know they teach gun safety. It's one of my points that I always try to make that uh, there's not a lot of disagreement on this. The NRA says if there's kids around, you should probably lock your guns down, separate the ammo. They have a whole class on it. So, but they, but uh, interestingly, they don't really support your legislation. They support mm -hmm. doing it, but they don't want it to be mandated. But I will say that you know I've been to a gun training in Michigan where when you come out of that gun training, they have the storage units right there. And they're saying, this is the best thing to do. And so it is something that is top of mind for them. And it is something that would have stopped this from happening for you. And and what blows my mind is what you said about this guy being a private detective. I mean, he had a yeah. security company. And so me as a mom, because I also said this before we started recording, as a mom, I don't have guns in the house. I am scared to death of my daughters going to someone's house that has unsecured guns like this. And I would feel safe if they had a security company. And this was somebody who probably also thought, well, I've talked about safety all the time, but it still happened. Yeah, that was one thing that, you know, lulled us into a, a sense of this was a responsible person. And Ethan was in the home for maybe 15, 20 minutes and he was shot in the head. And you know, uh, I always think of that scene from Saving Private Ryan, where the you know the military folks come come to the front door, and the mom knows this is not this is bad news. That happened to my wife, and it's just horrific to hear this in your wife's voice. Hey, they said we got to get to the hospital. She just texted me 911. I was nearby. We got down to the hospital, and they um, when we got in there, I knew it was going to be a really life changing moment because there was 10 or 15 law enforcement officers there. 
And when we walked in, you know, you don't expect them to know who you are. You know, you're like, wow, there's a lot of police here. And then all of a sudden you realize they're here because they all came down because this is a, we're gonna have to tell a, some parents that their, their, their kid is dead. And uh, we waited in this little room, a place where no parent ever wants to be in this little room. And in comes the doctor and he just says, we couldn't, we couldn't save your son. Uh, and we just fell off of our chairs into an abyss. I like it. So you feel like you're falling off a cliff. You're, you're spinning madly. You just feel your, some, your heart's getting ripped out of your body is what it feels like. And then, you know, uh, the doctor just said, you know, Hey, listen, um, you can't see him. And cause my wife was adamant about going and seeing him, my wife, Kristen, and uh, you know, nope. And I'll never forget it. Cause his, his, uh, he said in sort of a, a broken voice. It's just going to be too grotesque. You know, oh. you're like, this is my, my son. I just literally hugged him that morning. So, um, from there it was just, uh, it was terrible. It was the worst, th- worst thing you could ever experience as a parent. Uh, even worse to see your wife, you know, her expression, the sound in her voice, what it sounds like when a mom loses a child, mm. it, it just doesn't sound like any, it's, it just chills your soul. And so climbing out of this, I had to call my other two kids, tell them this news. You know, my daughter dropped the phone. She was at college, dropped the phone, screamed for 15 minutes while I tried to, you know, just soften 1% of the blow that, you know, but you couldn't do that. It was just going to be hard. And then I had to call everyone else. I made these phone calls after phone calls until I, I just couldn't call another person. I just finally collapsed, you know, and, uh, and that was, that was where this moment, uh, my wife turned to me and she said, at least one positive thing has to come out of this one thing. And I said, yeah, absolutely. And that's when we decided to try to save other kids and, and help other families out. And that's where we sort of get started with what, what's our mission going to be. Hmm. So, so you've been able to pass a law in Connecticut, but you get pushback. I mean, on this issue, there is pushback because there are people who believe that this is an infringement on your Second Amendment rights, that mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. going to stop people from having the freedom that they want to have with their guns. And there are criticisms that from people on the other side saying it doesn't go far enough. So go through a little bit about what it's like to be fighting this when you have both sides kind of saying, no, no, no. Yeah. You know, it, well, the first thing that I did was I showed people pictures of Ethan. Like I put up mm-hmm. this, it's unusual. Our approach was very unusual. We, we posted a hundred pictures of Ethan. We just wanted everybody to see that he was a real human being that lived on the planet, very lovable kid interesting kid. We posted up video and we wanted people to see this was a human being and people started to go, Oh, that, they started to recognize him. So first and foremost, we're all human beings here. And I completely acknowledge and understand people's nervousness. Then my friends who are gun owners came to me and said, Mike, I, you got to come over to my house because I'm going to show you my pin code uh, safe. Another friend had a biometric safe. Another friend who is the most conservative person that I know, Steve, great guy. I worked out with him at CrossFit for years. He said, I'm in favor of this, and I am the biggest Second Amendment's right person that you're ever going to meet. I've got like 15 guns in my house. I'm an, you know, and he said, but when I was a kid, uh, I had this uh, experience that I, I had it. My, I got hold of my father's gun, and I was playing cowboys, and I was on the table, kitchen table, when they came down for breakfast, and I pointed a loaded gun at my father. Everyone ducked, and finally, you know, he said, I came that close to killing my dad. And I thought, wow. He said, I'm in favor of this one law. So I always try to say this is, I think, the least polarizing uh, law, and I'm a big tech person, a technology person, and I think technology changes uh, things. And pin code safes open as fast as your smartphone, biometric safes even faster. Maybe there's a win-win here where we can get a tax credit for gun owners uh, for you know beefing up their ability to store their guns safely, 
And maybe we could put a law in place for those folks who are going to be sort of like this dad who just going to turn a blind eye. And like you said earlier, you don't know where your kids are 24 seven. That's why I mm-hmm. said to Senator Cruz, when I met with him, with my wife, we said, listen, you know, you're, you're a dad. I'm a dad. I'm just talking dad to dad. I just think, you know, you just don't know where your kids are 24 seven and there's more and more guns out there. So the probability is growing that they'll be in a home where someone yeah, can and, access And just them. to be clear, what happened to your son, this was an accident. This wasn't that the, the other boy was purposely trying to hurt him. Yes, it was. We, we believe it was a completely unintentional accident. What's not widely known is that the coroner, you know, uh, the news reported that Ethan shot himself. And unfortunately, that doesn't appear to be true based upon, you know, what we were told. But we didn't never made a big deal about that. It's not really the point. But mm-hmm. just in case people are saying, well, your son, you know, came in and grabbed this gun. No, this gun was put in his hand multiple times. He uh, it's quite likely that he did not shoot himself. And it's not really a big deal to me either way. But if that father had taken, you know, 10 seconds to lock up his guns, and I would recommend a gun safe versus, you know, uh, lock and key because keys are just, you have to keep track of them. It's so much easier to have a pin code safe. It's so common these days that could save your child's life. So I always try to say dad to dad, you know, and the funny thing is, you know, 85, 90% of the gun owners that I know, I know maybe about 20, they're like, it's a no brainer. I'm going to lock. What about the people that say no? What, what do you say to them? Well, I, the first thing I always do is open a gun safe in front of them, biometric and then pin. And I just say, that's really the inconvenience there. And I'll buy it. And you, and you safe, do this on you your know. website, right? So people can see this because yeah. I think I've seen videos of you opening it. And I mean, it, it literally is just sticking your finger on it. And yeah. there it is. That's my, if, I, if you see me and I look a little angry on a video or social media and you will. I mean, you be, have a little bit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I, I'm sorry if I get a little worked up, but it's, hey, I, that would have saved my kid's life. You know, right. and it's really a great, as I say, it's, I think it's a win-win. We can look at the technology and go, let's let's get, get a gun safe. And that's where we want to start the conversation with Republican legislators. We want to say, let's start with a tax credit, get some gun safes out there. You know, if we say 75 million uh, the bucks, you know, we spend trillions of dollars, you know, on everything. If we if we just put out there a, a tax credit and and just a law that says, look, you got little kids in your home, we can agree on what that age is going to be uh, under 16, under 17, uh, and let's not let's not let's take the guns out of their reach because because kids do make mistakes. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. 
Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Why isn't it a bigger conversation? I mean, why, if you, like I said, I was at a gun training and there was an NRA per connected person there. And at the end of the gun training is, you know, here are your safes there. I mean, but they're not inexpensive. So if you're, if you are in Detroit and you're a woman buying a gun, you may be putting all your money into that. So why isn't there some opportunity for if the NRA supports this, some of these groups support it. Why isn't there like a, hey, with your membership, you could get this or, you know, people coming together. Is there something in the works for that so that it becomes less of a, a barrier and more? I mean, I get the tax credit, but that's something that you're really seeing at the end of the year. Is there something that could be done to do something ahead of time? Because there will be critics who will say this law will only come in after somebody has already died. Yeah, I think I think there's a couple of things, great ideas in there, Tudor. Uh, first of all, we do a gun safe giveaway. You know, we offer to buy back guns for people who just have a gun stored in their home they're never going to use and kids running around. And we get the most amazing stories on that. And what happens is a lot of people bring a gun in because a parent has dementia, grandparent has dementia. They find unsecured guns in the home. They're like, let's just bring them in. We'll get you 50 bucks for, for the gun. And, you know, it's our way of sort of just taking it out of direct circulation. And, and it takes it right from a very dangerous situation into a very safe situation. The safe giveaway, though, is I'm even more excited about because we have the best conversations with gun owners. They come in. They just have to show their, their card, you know, their their, uh, the card that shows that they're licensed or whatever they have, and then they, which we don't record, by the way, and then we, they get a free gun safe. And we've been doing that for four years now, and it's incredibly popular. It's a great idea. You, we, some of the uh, manufacturers like Dick's Sporting Goods even are giving those uh, safe set cost. So it's a really great, you know, hey, let's unite around this issue type of uh, an event. So there are some things being done, and the Connecticut model is one of the first in the nation where we did it statewide. And I think that's a great statewide initiative, bipartisan statewide initiative. Let's let's work with law enforcement to bring the guns in and but more importantly give this get the safes out. You know, and I think that's less controversial to get the safes out there. So I there's just a lot we could do to work together to make sure that a high that a higher and higher percentage of the four hundred million guns in the country or you know whatever that number is are secured with especially the ones saying- with kids in the home. Would your law say that everyone has to have a secured, their gun secured, or are you saying if there are children in the home, then it has to be secured? You know, Ethan's law was primarily for, you know, when there's kids in the home, guns should be secured. And uh, the, but the laws can continue on beyond that, where they say, look, if you have a gun, it should be secured. You know, from my perspective, I think that I'd rather start with just homes with children in them 
with unsecured guns because I think that's the biggest area of need. It's my personal, you know, thing to say most most states in the country don't have any law, but states like Texas and Florida, even some red states and uh, we uh, New Mexico just put a law out there saying, yeah, kids in the home, you know, lock guns down. That's been my message from day one. Kids around, lock guns down. Um, if a state wants to go further than that, they can. Uh, and uh, but I think that secured weapons are safe weapons. I mean, that's something that I get from all my military friends. Uh, they're all trained in safe storage. So I think that's really important. And the law can kick in uh, prior to a tragedy happening. I think it's a great comment people sometimes make is well, you're waiting for a tragedy to happen and then the law mm -hmm. kicks in. That's kind of how most laws work. You break the law and then you know, then it, people become aware of that there were unsecured guns there. But there is like a, a, a penalty of, I think it's $500. And if a law enforcement officer walks in the home and sees an unsecured gun, kids close by, maybe it's a domestic abuse type situation, but this gun is right near some kids. They can, they can basically say, hey, look, we're going to charge you with this penalty because you've got little kids, unsecured guns, and it's a really dangerous mix. What about the people that say, well, this is a slippery slope. If you have to register your gun, then you're going to have people doing like random gun checks at your house and coming in and saying, you know, you can no longer have a gun. There, I think there's a fear that once you have a law like this in place, then it goes a little bit further. You know, the, the slippery slope argument, you know, for me is a, is I understand it. There's incrementalism in anything in life. But on the flip side of it, you know, we've got over 40,000 people dying each year from gun deaths. This is a great, I think, opportunity for bipartisanship, which is what happened in Connecticut. Interestingly, it became a very bipartisan issue. And uh, yeah, I, I think that the it's, it's a lot like um, I would say smoke detectors in your house. You know, we don't have door to door people going incrementally looking farther and farther into your house mm. for uh, your smoke detectors to be not installed correctly. Uh, mm. They just say, look, by code, if you this house burns to the ground and five people die in your house and you were like, no need for smoke detectors, that's not a big issue, then I think you would be liable for that. And, and that's the kind of penalty it would be. But the incrementalism to say they're going to be going through our stuff you know, it's one of the few laws, I think, that's not polarizing because essentially what we're saying is securing your weapons helps you hold on to them. It's a, it's an also helps when there's a burglary that a weapon I mean, is secured in any way. To your point, there is that week where it's changed the batteries in your fire detector, right? And, and change, and you see that everywhere. You see commercials. It's like a whole education campaign, and that's to save lives. That you're constantly. I mean, there's billboards on the street. Make sure you change the batteries in your fire alarm or your fire detector yeah. in the house. So, will there be some sort of education campaign on this as well? I mean, even if you don't pass these laws in states, I think there are a lot of people that just don't even understand what's available out there or the dangers or know the numbers. I mean, I talked to one of our Republican legislators here in the state of Michigan, and he said, you know, we have a few kids die every year like this in the state of Michigan. How many children die across the country because there was a gun that wasn't secured? Yeah. And, you know, that's a really it's a it's a great question to ask. And I think directly, if you look at the direct numbers, I mean, a kid probably dies every day in America due to an unsecured gun by an accident like Ethan's accident. But far more concerning are the kids that die from a suicide, because when you put a gun into the mix and a suicidal kid, uh, that that's really scary because that's uh, I think it's it flips the odds that they're really going to die. So if kids try to kill themselves through many, many other means. Uh, they they take too many sleeping pills or something like that. 
you know, there's a very high percentage rate that those kids get rescued. Uh, it, not that that isn't a very scary thing. No, but with but, a gun, it's, yeah. it's one and done with a gun. It's just over. It's over so fast. And teen suicide is such a problem because it's episodic. You know, kids can have their worst couple weeks of school. They don't want to tell their parents about it because they've been humiliated by someone at school. And there's two things that sometimes happen when that happens. The kid goes to school with a gun and 76% of the time they're taking their family's gun in. This was done under the uh, great research done under the Trump uh, in, in the Trump years. They said, how many like how many of these school shootings are happening with a family gun when there's a teenager involved? It's 76 uh, percent of the time they're getting that gun from home because it wasn't uh, um, secured. And so I think that's a great. Uh, so there's there's four things that really occur. There's the accidental unintentional type deaths, you could say. There's the suicides, which are huge. There's the school shootings, which we see every day. Wouldn't we all just like to see that news? Not not on the front page of, uh, you know, not on the lead story on the news. And the third one that's kind of interesting, too, is the, the, the guns are stolen at an astonishing rate in this country. I think mm-hmm. 200,000 guns are stolen each year, 200,000. So over a period of a decade, that's 2 million guns. And that's a direct transfer from a law-abiding citizen's home to a criminal's hand. I mean, it's direct. That's that's fueling a lot of, I think, violence that happens out there. So those are four things that safe storage addresses kind of at a root cause. I love the idea of reinforcing our schools, but sometimes if we just made it harder for the kid to get the gun at home, uh, maybe they wouldn't kill themselves or go to school and and terrorize and and kill people there. And and that would make, I think, the world a better place. So what kind of education campaign can be done? Because I, like I said, as a mom who is living in a house that doesn't have guns, I think too often I can be lulled into, well, it's not at my house, you know? And so I'll, I'll... Oftentimes, I also think that the people who are in that situation, there are people in that situation who I believe can be very staunch defenders of the Second Amendment, not having lived that experience. And maybe this comes up for a vote or their legislator has to vote on it. And they're not so active because they go, well, it's not going to happen in my house. It's not my problem. I'm not going to get involved. But that that could have been you. I mean, you could be in that same situation. I mean, you really, it wasn't your house. So what do you say to those parents who are saying, I don't know enough about this, so I'm not going to get involved because the drama is too great on either side. And how do you educate them? Well, I, you're asking a fantastic question. I think the, 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 the challenge of doing this is, is I'm just a realist. And I know that it's awkward for people to say, hey, do you have any guns in your house? And are you really sloppy about the way you secure these guns? Like, are you one of those people who has a loaded gun on your nightstand? That's a difficult, in reality, that's a difficult question for people to ask. In theory, it's exactly what we should ask as parents. So what I often uh, encourage people to do is say, hey, listen, you know, my kids are super curious. They, you know, they've seen lots of movies where people are shooting guns and lots of video games where people are shooting guns. And I just always try to ask, hey, listen, are, are the guns secured? Because, you know, we we know that our kids are curious all, and all kids are curious. I try to always lead with that because it's honestly, a, a, a you know, a, a great thing to do. And it's less like, hey, I think you're, you know, not securing these guns in your house. Right, I, because I, you would think that you could really offend someone by saying, oh, you want to have a play date with my kid? Let's go through your safety procedures yeah. before my kids are allowed yeah. to come to your yeah. house. And uh, that, I mean, but I do <laughs> want to say that. I just yeah. want to know how to say it. Yeah. And so I always recommend saying, look, my kid's very curious. And I, if you have anything that's unsecured, um, I would recommend, like I'd always recommend just, you know, making sure they're, you keep an eye on them and that, you know, if you have guns or things like that, 
if they're secured. I think it's it's also great to try to find out what their interest. If you happen to know they're into hunting and you happen to know they're into skeet shooting or or just going to the range, you know, hey, strike up a conversation around that and then say, hey, well, just out of curiosity, I know some some kid named Ethan got killed recently. You know, uh, you know, I always say use my son. Just say there was a kid named Ethan. He was just a curious kid. And, you know, sometimes tragedies can happen when guns aren't secured. I think it's a great thing for parents to do just to get it out in the open. And if you are a gun owner, here's an even better thing. If you're a gun owner and you secure your guns, it's great to let people know that too. Hey, we've got guns in the house. You know what? But they're secured. We've got them locked up tight. Uh, no, the kids don't have the pin code safe number. Uh, so your kids are safe playing here. I think if you, we can all start the discussion together, we can all work together to reduce those gun deaths. But how do you get that message out to parents that that's even a conversation that you should have? Because like I said, the parents who don't live this and don't have guns in their house and don't think about the fact that their kids go to another house that could have an unsecured gun, what kind of education campaign could go out there to say, hey, this happened. There's this law we're talking about. This is why we think it's important for you, even though you may think it doesn't touch your life. Yeah, we are actually working on a, a, a an educational campaign or ed educational uh, uh, sort of syllabus, basically, that will take kids very quickly through, you know, gun safety 101 for, for kids. So at the ch kid level, we're trying to show them how, how dangerous this can be and hit them with it a few times as they go through K through 12, right? So they can start to really see the, how serious this is. So the first thing we think is that there should be some type of education. Not a It doesn't have to be a huge number of hours they go through, but I think it should also be reg repeated. So, you know, you so go through So would you it. see that as something that could be in schools? Oh yeah, I think I think we'd love to partner, uh, you know, with this bill. We think there's I like the I like the three things that would be great to have in you know this bill would be money to roll this out with education for for all the states, uh, some type of incentive for people to buy a gun safe, and then a penalty. You know, I do think you need a stick to go with the carrot, some type of penalty like Ethan's law that says, listen, if a kid is killed in your house and you left your gun on the nightstand for you know day after day after day, and you know you had you had five kids who are eight years old in your house and you didn't secure that weapon, yeah, you, you could pay a penalty because I think you do need a deterrent for those folks who think that's a really good thing to do. And and that was troubling when we talked to some legislators. They were like, oh, I purposefully leave my loaded gun on my nightstand. And, uh, you know, and I just said, do your kids ever have nightmares coming to your room or, you know. And we've like, seen people really... post pictures of it, though. We've seen people on social media say, this is what my bedroom looks like. I've seen that. And and then there's that knowledge that those guns are just there and they are open to the public. And, and in some cases, those are folks that have kids. So, I'm, I mean, having run for office and seeing what it's like, I mean, there is pressure, certainly, on one side to say you want all the laws, on the other side to say you don't want the laws. And, you know, either way, this becomes a political issue. For you, it's not a political issue. And I just I, I think that, again, I just think that if there were a way to get this out on the airwaves in a bigger way to say, this is how easy it is to have this on your nightstand. But then I've also had people, cause I've had this conversation with folks and, and, you know, knowing that you were going to come on the podcast, try to talk to people about it. And they said, well, how are you, how do you prevent people from saying, well, this is very racist because you don't live in a neighborhood where they're going to, they have to, you have to grab a gun on this edge of your nightstand every night, but you might have people in an inner city that absolutely 
have to have that gun. But also, I would kind of argue, well, we also see an uptick in kids that get guns and have mistakes in, in those areas as well. So what do you say to the people who say this isn't fair to certain communities? Yeah, I, I always just go back to the idea that the new technology, you can open it at the speed of a smartphone. Uh, and I think that is a win-win. So first of all, like I open a lot of safes on TV because I think I still, and what part of that educational campaign for adults would just be show easy it is to open a gun safe. I think, I don't know that that's common knowledge. I still get a lot of people going, no, oh, I didn't, I, quite, I, didn't, I didn't quite realize they were that easy. And, you know, I know what it's like to fumble for a key and those old combination locks that I had up in my attic, you know, I had all my papers up there and jewelry and you're like, oh, three to the left. Those are, it's, that's all gone. It's like tick, tick, boom, it's open, you know? Uh, so I think that's really important. But yeah, I would just say that it's so easy for a kid to grab a gun and a kid's natural instinct just from watching. And, you know, you could blame it a little bit on the media too. It's, it's, it's so many shows start off with someone just pointing a gun and pulling the trigger that when little, particularly little boys grab a gun, you see it a lot in uh, there, you know, boys are a higher percentage rate of these, these problems. They, they have a natural instinct to point it and pull that trigger. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. I've had friends that say, well, we, we don't even let them have Nerf guns. I think there are people who have lulled themselves into a false sense of security that my child knows guns are bad and not to get near it. But that could always that can still always happen to you. I mean, it's like 
you know, kids are, it's their natural instinct to pick up a baby doll and rock it. It's their natural instinct to pick up a gun and fire it. it. Those are just things that you innately know you can do. And that temptation is there. It really is. And I, you know, this is something that I've said to legislators who have really pushed back very, very hard on this and say, I'm happy that my 12 year old kid, and we, there is a legislator in Texas who said, hey, I keep my, I got 12 year old kids in the house. I keep these guns right here and you know, they're loaded. They're right here. Anyone can grab them. But, you know, they won't do that because, you know, I told them not to. And I always tell them, hey, look, after we get, you know, after we spar and we go and we knock it to head, I was just say, you know, hey, listen, uh, just as a dad, you know, I realize that, you know, this is your issue and you really you're dug in here. But man, just honestly, I would get a gun safe and not have your loaded gun on your nightstand. I just just as a father to a father, you know, I'm, I'm not like, uh, hey, I lost the argument, but maybe privately, if I were to tell you. Just don't, hmm. you don't want to be in this position. It's horrible. It's horrible to lose a child, have his head literally, you know, blown, blown off his body. That's what happened to my kid. And it, it's, it's breaks my heart every day. But can you imagine if I had left that gun there myself, how I would feel? Oh my gosh, I would be just, it would be, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I could go on if I had put that gun into my kid's hand by just leaving it out, you know? So uh, there's, there's only one group of parents that, uh, uh, you know, like we always say, nobody wants to be us tutor. Nobody wants to be the parent that's lost a child at a young age of 15. There's one group of people uh, that would envy us. And that would be folks who sort of set up the circumstances where their own child, you know, shot a sibling, shot, you know, another person or killed themselves by suicide because they thought, oh, I told them not to touch that gun. And then they did. So I, I, I'm well, not I mean, trying I to, you know, think be, about your situation mm -hmm. of the man who, owns the security company. I mean, that's what you do for a living. You have to, it's at some point feel like I've had this conversation. My kids know better. And I think that's another thing to be honest, just today, I think we are giving kids way too much credit because we believe that kids understand consequence, but we know the science behind that is that they really don't understand consequences until they are in their twenties. And so as many times as you've had this conversation with your child, how many other conversations have you had with your kids that they just go out and they do it anyway? And you're like, we've already talked about this. You knew you were gonna get hurt, but you did this anyway. This prevents that from even starting. And I just think that it's something that people on both sides really need to think about because it can happen to anyone. Oh, you know, I, I just really appreciate you saying that because it's it's hard to understand that, you know, when a kid's 15, their their brain isn't really fully formed and structured. You're absolutely right. And then you get, I guess what they call it, executive function. You start to just make better decisions. And that's why parents like I'm a big believer in parental control of your household. Your a parent is in charge of your kids. The kid's not in charge of the house. The parent's in charge of the house. Like all of those discipline, you know, tr you know, focusing like a laser beam on your kids, making sure that they walk the walk. You know, they don't they don't just say, yeah, I'll do it. Those are really critically important. But if you've got a 15 year old uh, child uh, and you think they're perfect, I always try to say, uh, you know, like I know that Dick Cheney was was a smart guy. He made it to vice president of the United States. He was a, a strategic person, obviously very brilliant. And even I'm sure a very safety conscious person with his guns. And as sure he was a lifelong member of the NRA, he still managed to make a mistake that led to someone being shot in his proximity. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that like Dick Cheney is a horrible human being. What I'm saying is, it could, you know, even adults make this kind of mistake with guns. So why would we expect a 12 or 13 year old kid to be perfect? I just, you know, I just think that 
is dangerous. And I would encourage parents not to view your kids that way. I make mistakes. We all make mistakes and kids make mistakes. Well, thank you. I appreciate you coming on. Honestly, I saw one of your, I actually saw one of your videos on social media and it was a moment for me where I went, ah, I don't know what the girls' friends' houses are like. I don't know what they're doing when it comes to their guns. And man, this is a, a different way for me to view it. And I just felt like I really need to talk about this. And I'm so grateful that you are so willing to come out. You and both you and your wife, Mike and Kristen Song, you can look them up, look up the, and tell us where to look up the organization so people can see, because I just think it's so impressive that you are willing to go out and talk about this so openly and make sure parents know. Oh, thank you. It's been so wonderful spending time with you. It's songstrong.org forward slash map. You can see a video of me opening a safe there. And the map is that we looked at all 50 states in the country just to see what they'd done for this. And uh, Texas and Florida have, uh, you know, modest, you know, gun storage laws in place. So it's not necessarily a, a you know, a, a blue versus red thing. I, I think there's there's room in the middle here where we can get something going. But it would be amazing if we could pass a law nationally, because that would take a lot of the chaos of having different laws in all different states be so different. Um, if we've got some of the red states on board already, maybe we can find some place in the middle we can meet and pass one simple law so that we can really go out and publicize it, like you said, and let every parent know this is a good question to ask. Kids know this is a dangerous thing to do. And gun owners know, hey, this is not too big of a push in terms of uh, you know, getting, a, getting a gun safe. And if anything, it'll keep your gun with you longer when there's a criminal that comes into your home trying to steal it. It's at least creating another barrier for that to happen. And that, that's a good thing for everyone. Well, it's been very interesting. I'm so glad that you were here to share. I, I'm sure our listeners got a lot out of this. And like I said, or like you said, I believe that there is a place where people can come together. We've seen it, people coming across the aisle. We've seen it in Michigan. We've seen it in other states. We've, Like you said, we've seen it in red states. It shouldn't be a political issue. It is about our kids. And so I, I'm always passionate about kids having for myself and i appreciate you coming on thank you so much and, and thank you all for joining us today on the tudor dixon podcast as always for this episode and others go to tudordixonpodcast.com you can subscribe right there or check out the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and join us the next time on the tudor dixon podcast thank you If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.